started as any other day. Oh, welcome back, Ma. We are here with another main story, a main vein. That's what I like to call it. Is that gross? Uh, what? Is that gross? Calling it a main, a main vein? A main vein? Um, no. Okay. I think that's I know if that's sexual. Style. Okay. Okay. Oh, I didn't know if it was sexual, though. But Is it? It could be. <clears throat> it could be taken sexually, I think. Maybe it's just me. Anyways, moving on. How you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Good. When we were recording that's in good. the evening, we are. Yeah. I gave that away. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because it might be morning when you listen to this, but yeah, it afternoon. is it is getting warmer outside. Yeah, um, kind of got really warm today. Yeah, I sweated today. It's that time of year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so what's going on? Did a little yard work. Sweated mm-hmm. a little bit. Cool. Yep. It was 1915, and the world was at war. Well, not all of it. Most of the world, in fact, was not at war, including the United States. But wars, like viruses, are hard to contain. Mm-hmm. And on May 7th, 1915, an event would occur that shocked the conscience of the world and started the U.S. on its path to entry into the First World War and started the German Empire on its path to ultimate defeat and collapse. For on that day, a German submarine sank the Lusitania, the most prestigious luxury liner in the world, resulting in a staggering loss of lives. Of the 1,959 passengers and crew aboard the Lusitania at the time of her sinking, 1,195 were killed. We call this story, How Deep Is Your Sub? Deep is your sub, deep is your sub. The Sinking of the Lusitania. Launched in 1906, Lusitania and her sister ship, Mauritania, were UK registered <laughs> liners owned and operated by the Cunard Line. Two, two uh, British sisters. just mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucy and Mauritania. Uh, they were the fastest passenger liners of their age, capable of crossing the Atlantic in under five days. Yeah, you heard that right. You only had to spend five days in the North Atlantic, and voila, you're on the other side. Did I hear that right? Yeah, five days. That's crazy. That is pretty fucking crazy. That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, it is amazing. It's amazing that something can go under you're the water. You're on the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to five days. And there's a lot of people on it, as we heard in the opening. Uh, uh, very, over a thousand. A whole lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, way under capacity because of the war, and they really? had almost 2,000 wow. people. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, for this reason, they were known as the Greyhounds of the Sea. The Tanya sisters were also the world's largest liners until being surpassed by those bitches, the Olympic <laughs> and her sister ship, the Titanic. Fuckers. Notice to mob, maybe avoid ships that are or ever were the world's largest liner because they have kind of a spotty track record. They have a really bad track record. Yeah. Two of them it's, are at the bottom of the uh, North Atlantic. It's almost like if you just call your, if you just boast about how awesome you are. You pretty much gonna sink. So that's just how that works. Don't think, do that. I think the Olympic and the Mauritania went into hiding. You heard <laughs> from them bitches. <laughs> I think they got together and then became sisters. They they grieved over their lost yeah. sisters together oh, yeah. and became kind of sisters. And in became their sisters own right. and yeah. lovers. And lovers. Yep. And now they cross the Atlantic back and forth together. That's right. That's all oh, that's sweet. Yeah. The Lusitania was said to be Quote, more beautiful than Solomon's temple and big enough to hold all his wives. (laughs) (laughs) 
And indeed, the ship attracted passengers of great wealth and prominence, such as Alfred Vanderbilt, Charles Froman, and Albert Hubbard. Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. You, so I didn't. I must have missed that in script. You did not fucking tell me that Albert Hubbard was on this fucking boat before. Yeah. Did I mention Albert oh Hubbard was, my God. was on the Lusitania? Hubbard. Because he fucking was. You know his mother? His old mother Hubbard. Yes, man. Hubbard. Is, wow, that's how that's how he made his money. <laughs> Off the name Old Mother Hubbard. Old wow, Mother Hubbard. Hubbard. I didn't know little LB was in the story, dude. We yeah. call him LB if you know him. Call him LB. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's wow. a that's a little known fact. Wow, wow, wow. I wow. knew you would enjoy. And it. a Vanderbilt, nice Alfred Vanderbilt, who really was like a related part of the Vanderbilt uh, to Cornelius Vanderbilt, who's the mo- one that most people know of the big. Yeah. 19th uh, century magnate railroad and shipping what's his name the cnn guy with the hair the gray hair everybody likes him uh anderson cooper he's a he's a vanderbilt his i mother, know that his mother's gloria vanderbilt okay yeah dude not so. surprised to hear that but i did not specifically know it yeah cool That's it. when war broke out in europe in 1914 there was some consideration by the british royal navy of turning the lusitania into an armed merchant cruiser which would make her a legitimate military target. She was even officially listed as an armed merchant cruiser, though the Royal Navy ultimately decided not to requisition her, and she continued to operate during the war um, as a civilian passenger liner. And while the war hurt ticket sales, they were sufficient to keep the Lusitania in operation. However, events in the war were beginning to unfold in such a way as to place the Lusitania and pretty much any vessel bound for the British Isles in grave danger. Hmm. They're like, thank you. British. British, should we turn in into um merchant cruiser? <laughs> I don't. That's terrible. I'm terrible that at was, this. That was really bad. Why? I don't understand. I don't know why. But you want to hear my Bill Cosby? Yes. Again. Yes. Rudy, <laughs> Theo. All right. Thank you for thank you for uh, <laughs> placating me on this one. Uh, so as to those events in the war, first the British declared the entire North Sea a war zone and effectively blockaded it. And they stopped, they considered even food to be contraband of war. Mm. So this is important because all of Germany's maritime trade had to come through the North Sea. And thus the blockade and the way they enforced the blockade uh, would and ultimately did have the result of starving the German population. In response, in February 1915, the German Navy declared the waters around the British Isles to be a war zone, intending to enforce their own blockade by means of the single greatest invention in the history of mankind, the submarine. Or as the Germans call them, U-boats. Now, just a quick blurb on on the importance of submarines and the interesting time that they come along as an effective weapon of war. Yeah. So, well, hold on. Before you get into this, Mm -hmm. I just want to let the mob know that Matt has an, (laughs) an unusual relationship with submarines. He loves them, builds models of them, has them on the wall in here in the studio. Uh, so submarine Seahawks. Just know that before. Just know it's right. subway series. <laughs> submarine Seahawks subway series. Remember that. Or just just keep that in mind as you hear what he's about to say, because he will say it with passion. Well, yes, because I feel passion about it. <laughs> um, we just did a job for a guy whose dad. Uh, he was a veteran. We were working on his house, um, and it was cool. And I was talking to his his granddad, 
and it turned out he was a submariner on a on a diesel engine sub. You were like, dude, tell me everything. He was an electrician on it. I was like, man, that's fucking awesome. That's cool. And he gave me a submarine pen. There's nothing scarier than being an electrician than being an electrician underwater. It, it completely <laughs> underwater. Yeah. <laughs> it t- yeah, it takes some balls to be an electrician on a submarine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, so think of like the two. I think of two superpowers above all others as being like the the main superpowers, and one is kind of the main good guy superpower, and one is yep. the kind of main bad guy superpower. Do you know what I'm talking about? Superpower, the bad superpower would be the Nazis. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about specific. Oh. I'm talking about the super like the power to like storm from Marvel can create storms and lightning bolts. Oh, what are the two basic superpowers oh. that are the oh. most? <laughs> yeah, not not a individual not a country uh flying that's one that's the main good guy okay and then okay and then destroying the world or whatever fire what what is it invisibility oh i was gonna say that. which is a devious superpower and it's one of the most fundamental bad guy superpowers and so even from ancient times mankind has wanted the ability to fly and the ability to be invisible so it's true right around the same time because you have uh Hey, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Heidi, what are you Heidi, doing? get the fuck out of here. You're not invited. You're not, you're not, you're not, we're not, we're not, we're not having guests tonight. Okay. All right. Um, so what was I saying? Superpowers. Superpowers. Mm-hmm. The ability to fly and the ability, ability to be invisible. invisible. One's kind of the good, main good guy power. And look, they're kind of corollaries of each other too. When you think about it, one's about like prominence and being where everyone can see you. One's where, about being where nobody can see you and right. like hiding in dark corners, okay. that sort of thing. Yeah, which is why it's kind of a devious. It's kind of the bad guy superpower. Sure. Um, within I'm with you now. All at the same time, you have the plane comes along and a an effective submarine comes along in the same war. Isn't that kind of crazy in mankind? Because mm-hmm. basically, submarines represent the power of invisibility. Yeah. Because we can't literally make ourselves invisible, but a submarine goes underwater and the surface ships can't fucking see it. Right. That's the power of invisibility. That's the first time it's been effectively. Be able to been able to use in a war other than like just camouflaging yourself and like sneaking around. Yeah, but that's not the same thing. With a submarine, you can get it right up on your enemy and they can't fucking see you. Yeah, unless you so, put that periscope up. And, right. Well, you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, you got to see them from farther away, and then you got to die. Yeah. You get yourself in the position. Right. But yeah, that's what I think. It's actually they're, interesting. They're, awesome. now. <laughs> they're, they're very cool in what they represent in terms of the uh, technological development. And they represent this interesting corollary to the to planes, which came along at like the same time. The same war, basically, is when both of these weapons became effective weapons of war. Coincidence? Isn't that just crazy, though, how history yeah. plays out? Aliens? Well, I would say it speaks more to mankind's desire to, to obtain mm-hmm. these two powers. The German Empire declared that it would wage unrestricted submarine warfare against all vessels flying the flag of Great Britain or her allies and that sailed into the war zone around the British Isles. The British Isles. Sail away to the British Isles. Sail away to the British Isles. Sail away to the British Isles. The Lusitania would be just such a vessel, and it was due to depart from New York City for Liverpool on May 1st. New York City? So you following where we're at right now? Yeah. Not wanting yes. there to be any confusion that they meant business which usually there there is not when it comes to the Germans. The German embassy in the U.S. put out the following notice, which ran in the papers right next to the advertisement for the Lusitania's trip to Liverpool. 
It read, Achtung! Travelers intending to embark on the Atlantic voyage are reminded that a state of war exists between Germany and her allies, and Great Britain and her allies. <laughs> that the zone of war includes the waters adjacent to the British Isles. That in accordance with formal notice given by the Imperial German government, vessels flying the flag of Great Britain or any of her allies are liable to destruction in those waters. <laughs> and that travelers sailing in the war zone on the ships of Great Britain or her allies do so at their own risk. And now yeah, is the, the time of sprockets when we dance. And I'm still thinking about how you asked me what a superpower would be. You basically were like, what's your, what's your favorite superpower? And I'm like, Nazis. Yeah, you're like, like what, what? <laughs> that's a, I'm like, I'm a quarter Jewish, so that's kind of hurtful to myself. Well, yeah, but that's very, what, you know. Very offensive to yourself. I, you know, I didn't, I thought we were talking about like superpowers as in countries. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I dropped the, I dropped the ball. I understood, but you went right for it. I did. <laughs> no, you know Probably the that. Nazis, right? You know, the greatest one? What, like, what's the, <laughs> what, if you could pick one superpower, Josh, you're a superhuman, you pick superpower, what's it going to be? Nazis. The Nazis. <laughs> it's probably got to be the Nazis, right? <laughs> it's got to be the Nazis. It's the best joke I've heard in my days, said Lusitania's Captain William Turner of the formal German notice. He would be eating, or rather drinking, those words in the North Atlantic a few days later. Roasted. A little past noon on May 1st, Lusitania gave three blasts of its horn as it left Pier 54 in New York City and began moving down the Hudson River to the Atlantic Ocean. Is Pier 54, is that the place that... That's no, Pier 1. Pier 1. Pier 1 Imports. Pier 1 is the that's furniture the place. That come on, yeah. Studio 54 is the dance place. But you put those two <laughs> motherfuckers together, you got Pier a dance place where there's furniture. With the, with the nicest furniture. You can go dance, and you can also sit down when you're tired. But it also is a submarine. <laughs> So no, this is go. this is the Lusitania. This oh, you're right. This is a passenger <laughs> ship. This is not I'm sorry, a, this the pier is not, itself. This is not a we were talking about the pier itself. Right. Uh, in addition to her crew of 694, she carried 1,265 passengers, mostly British nationals, as well as a large number of Canadians, along with 128 Americans. Go America! USA! 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 <laughs> she was also carrying over 4 million rounds of machine gun ammunition, Almost 5,000 shrapnel, almost 5,000 shrapnel shell casings for a total of some 50 tons, and 3,240 brass percussion artillery fuses. Yeah, so she's carrying a lot of uh, munitions, and so let's not forget to revisit that later in the story. Hmm. With the weather cooperating, the first few days of the voyage proceeded uneventfully. The passengers whiled away the time reading, playing cards, listening to the ship's orchestra, and in the spirit of any good crews, eating copious amounts of food. Mm-hmm. A palpable tension settled over them, however, once Lusitania crossed into the war zone on May 6th. Remember, this is 1915. So what day did they leave again? May 1st. So they had five good days. Yes. All right. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Seine Majestad Unterseeboot 20, or U-20, commanded by Captain Lieutenant Walter Schweiger, was out doing what U-boats do. Sinking ships and uh, touching tips, tips, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's no women down there. Touching tips. What uh, they so do is they I, they get Chinese finger traps. Yeah. They put their dicks in either end right. and they touch them. Okay. Because because you can't see your dicks touch, it's, they, it's not it's gay. okay. No gay. Right. 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 Um, well, anyways, on May 5th, 
U-20 sank a merchant schooner, and on May 6, it sunk a 6,000-ton steamer called Candidate, and later a 6,000-ton British cargo ship called Centurion. All of these sinkings occurred off the South Irish coast. So they're get, they're out getting it fucking done. They're on war patrol, and they're doing it. So at this point, and this is in World War One. This is like fucking. This is when they riveted the the pieces of the hull together instead of welding them. Okay. Uh, this is old school. This is like steampunk shit. If you if you ever seen mm. mob, look up interior of a World War One U-boat. It's fucking crazy. It looks like something out of a science fiction movie. I bet. So the war had already started. Yeah, the war okay. started in August of 1914. Okay. So they're sending out U-boats in response to the British blockade. And does the Lusitania? Th- that's another thing about about submarines and their importance is they allow a weaker navy to have a punching chance at a stronger navy sure. because you yeah. can hide. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get get them from underneath. Right. Um, does the the person does the uh, captain of the Lusitania know they're driving through war waters or? Yes. Oh, yeah. They Dang, know. dude. And they know. And they're not a war. They're not a war submarine either. It's what, okay. All right. What a butthole. What a butthole. Well, we'll get into all that. All right. Meanwhile, by the early morning hours of May 7th, the Lusitania was off the southern coast of Ireland, too. There was a heavy fog, and as the ship came closer to Ireland, Captain Turner reduced speed down to 15 knots and sounded the foghorn, but not the leghorn. <laughs> Some of the passengers were disturbed that the ship appeared to be advertising her presence, mockingly banging pots and pans together and shouting, Good thing there are no submarines around here. <laughs> However, by noon, the fog had lifted and been replaced by bright sunshine over a clear, smooth sea, allowing Captain Turner to increase speed 18 knots. However, visibility for you also means visibility for your enemy. Oh, so the fog was helping them for a minute. I mean, yeah, because the, they were up the on U-boat the has to, they, they're, at this time, there's no radar or anything. This is World War One, sure, dude. Yeah. Their only way is to, to surface to look and around. scan the horizon. Okay, and right. then they, they spot somebody coming over the horizon, and they they plot its course, <coughs> and then they submerge okay. and fire their shots. And like they plan out what the intercept, like <clears throat> how to intercept the ship with their torpedo. So they plot out that, and then they fire at the right moment. But it takes some time when you like pay attention to the times that these things are happening. Okay. So this is 1245. Um, the U-20 is surfaced, scanning the horizon for prey. At 1:20, something was sighted, and Schweiger was summoned to the conning tower. The conning tower is the part that sticks up mm. out of the water. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen uh, down periscopes. So right. I know exactly, exactly what a sub. You know, like. you know, you know what I'm talking about. At first, it appeared to be several ships because of the number of funnels and masts, but this resolved into one large steamer appearing over the horizon. At 1.25 p.m., U-20 submerged to periscope depth, uh, which is 11, 11 meters, or about 36 feet, and set a course to intercept the liner. When the ships had closed to two miles, Lusitania turned away, and Schweiger <coughs> feared he had lost his target. When the ships had closed to two miles, or 3.2 kilometers for our um, European friends, yep. Lusitania turned away. Schweiger feared he had lost his target, but she turned again, this time onto a near ideal course to bring her into position for an attack. Perfect. At 2.10 p.m., with the target at 700 meters range, he ordered one gyroscopic torpedo to be fired to set to run at a depth of three meters. So from sighting it around 12.45 to firing the torpedo at 2.10. Okay. Just to get into position and and fire fire the shot. Okay. Yeah. 
on board the Lusitania, Leslie Morton, an 18-year-old lookout at the bow, had spotted thin lines of foam racing toward the ship. He announced, Torpedoes coming on the starboard side! Through a megaphone, detonating as it hit the starboard hull under the bridge, the torpedo caused the great liner to shake like a leaf, as one passenger recalled. The explosion sent a plume of debris and steel plating and water upward. It sounded like a million-ton hammer hitting a steam boiler a hundred feet high, <laughs> one passenger said. Then just moments later, a second, more powerful explosion erupted from deep within the vessel, sending a geyser of water, coal, dust, and debris high above the deck and causing the ship to rock violently to the side. The, sec- the source of the second explosion is unknown to this day, as U-20 only fired one torpedo. But it's mm. worth noting that one torpedo, even if there had not been a second explosion, the Lusitania would have gone down just from the torpedo because yeah. it hit it so properly. And it takes on water. But it, would have, it just would have sunk slower. Yeah. It takes so on more, water people pro- more people probably would have survived. So really blame the second explosion, which might be for... Well, we'll get into that. Okay. We already mentioned there's a lot of munitions on that ship. By 2.12 p.m., the ship was no longer responding to the wheel as the engines were rapidly losing pressure. And by 2.14 p.m., this is four minutes after the torpedo, uh, electrical power failed. Those caught, in ca- the, those caught in the cavernous interior of the ship were plunged into darkness. Ooh. Electric lifts failed, trapping passengers and crew. Bulkhead doors that were closed as a precaution before the attack could not be reopened to release the trapped men. Yikes. And those are those doors, you know, where they have to step through the thing yeah. as a big hatch thing. That's, yeah. Those are bulkhead doors. Okay. Um, imagine that. You're on a fucking ship. Uh, you're down below decks, and it, you're just plunging into total darkness because there's no light source. Yeah. It's not like there's sun light coming down. Right. And, and you know you're on a ship that's fucking sinking. You're like, you're fucked. At this point, can you not? You can't breathe, right? Like, well, no. I mean, there's still oxygen enough. But the water's coming in. It's coming in. Yeah. And, or if it's going to, as it sinks, I mean, it's it's going to come in. Yeah. Ugh. Or it's coming in or, or will come in. But yeah. So, yeah. And then it starts flooding in darkness. Just think about that's that. That's so scary. I don't that's want fucking to. Horrifying. That's really, that's really terrifying. <coughs> and you just go with, yeah, man. Oh. And then you're trapped. Some people are trapped. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, a lot of these people geez. are trapped, like because the bulkhead doors were closed. They didn't have time to reopen them because <clears throat> they all had to get the fuck off the ship. About one minute after the electrical power failed, Captain Turner gave the order to abandon ship, with the engines and electricity knocked out and passengers racing to find both their life jackets and their families. Chaos set in. One survivor said it reminded her of a swarm of bees who do not know where their queen is gone. Crew members, <laughs> crew members attempted to launch the lifeboats, but water had flooded the ship's starboard longitudinal compartments, resulting in a 15-degree list to starboard. Thus, the lifeboats on the starboard side swung out too far to step aboard safely, and while it was still possible to board the lifeboats on the port side, lowering them presented a, lowering them presented a different problem. As was typical for the period, the hull plates were riveted, which I mentioned was also the case for the submarines. Uh, and as the lifeboats were lowered, they dragged on the inch high, the inch high rivets, which threatened to seriously damage the boats uh, before they even landed in the water. Many lifeboats splintered apart or capsized, killing dozens in the process, whereas others could not be pried free from the deck. Lusitania had 48 lifeboats, more than enough for all the crew and passengers, but only six were successfully lowered, all from the starboard side. 
As it became clear that Lusitania would not stay afloat, those still on board were forced to jump into the frigid ocean, including mothers with babies in their arms. Once there, they fought to hold on to any piece of wreckage they could find, awaiting the rescue boats that were rushing out from the Irish, sho the Irish shore. Three nearby steamers also heard Lusitania's SOS calls, but they abandoned the idea of a rescue attempt when a lookout on one of them claimed to see a torpedo zoom by. Yeah, I don't think I'd be... <clears throat> I don't think I'd be trying to help either. And if I was in a boat, like, uh, that, that could be sunk by the torpedo, which is all these boats, I suppose. But good for the people who raced out there in their little lifeboats. Well, there, it, it's... I don't think there was another torpedo zooming by. Okay. Well, it may be, but... You think they just went on their seemed way? Seems unlikely. Usually when they... when they Yeah, the U-20 would have just left the area. They don't usually hang around because a warship might come along, and that's usually not a good matchup for a sub. Okay. In the end, the ship went down in only 18 minutes, going down bow first. Wow. Fucking 18 minutes, this giant... I mean, because you have to appreciate how huge this thing would have been. It reminds me of the Hindenburg a little bit. Yeah. Just it went once it went, it went, man. It went down. It, it like. went down fast. God damn, boy. The survivors were taken back to Queenstown, now Cobb, Ireland, and given whatever lodging could be found. Some were in such a state of shock that their hair began to fall out, whereas at least two others received amputations without anesthetic. Yeah, wow. Yikes. Ouch. Yikes. Um, at the same time, so would you take that over drowning? Having them having like saw your leg off? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It would get better in a month. You wouldn't even feel it anymore. <coughs> it would suck for a little oh, it bit. It would really suck. It would really. And it'd be, it would be a lifetime worth of practicing on a, only having one arm, one leg, or whatever. So, or were they, were some. But then you could become a pirate. Yeah. Okay. And it would be cool. That's true. What were you going to say? I was going to say, were some of them just half, <coughs> like from the waist up and the waist down? Yes. Okay. Yeah. At the same time, local authorities set up three makeshift morgues to handle the corpses being brought in. Less than 40% of those on board that uh, would survive the sinking. That's a like. That's not a good percentage. That's pretty bad. I mean, that's that's devastating. Captain Lieutenant Schweiger, that old sea wolf, calmly observed the panic and disorder on the decks of the Lusitania. At 2:25, 15 minutes after he fired the torpedo, he dropped periscope and headed out to sea. Later in the war, Schweiger would be killed in action when the U-boat he commanded, at that time the U-88, struck a British mine off the coast of the Netherlands. During his wartime career, Schweiger captained three different submarines on a total of 34 missions. He sank 49 ships measuring 183,883 gross registered tons. I don't know how that compares with other U-boat captains, but it sounds good. It sounds heavy as shit. So to <laughs> Captain Leutnant Walter Schweiger, I say... Good work, sir, and thank you for your service. Oh. <laughs> no. And so, basically, what happened is <laughs> no, dude. There was no, a that's ton wrong. Of, You're saying that wait, wrong. What? You're saying no. that wrong. You no, say, that's what you say to people who served. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but this guy what? killed no. innocent people. No, 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 no. On, no, no, no. On Lusitania, no, he no, did. no, no. They were they were just having. A, they were just. He was doing. He was doing his job. Uh, he he did his job, so why would you not say thank you for your service? He served, he fucking served. But here's here's the here's the deal. When it comes to yeah, it was a tragedy that all these people, uh, women and children especially, on this boat, a passenger liner, 
were killed in this action, yeah. but who put them in danger? Why are you putting munitions on a passenger liner? Uh, That's yeah, Billy Turner. Okay, you're so, and also here's the other thing: Why is it okay to blockade a country and cause their people to starve to death because you consider food contraband of war? But then, when that same country tries to prevent you from getting contraband of war, which is legitimately contraband of war, which is munitions, which was uh, we talked about like millions mm-hmm. of tons of our shell casings, all that shit. Um, who put them in danger? I'd say the British did. Or the okay. Allies did. Well, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Close <laughs> my eyes. I don't want to look at you. It doesn't seem right to cheer for the Germans. It just, but that's, I mean, that's fine. I I see your point. I don't hey, know if I can argue it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because they that guy put them in danger, and he knew he was driving through war waters. That's why I'm asking all these questions before. No, no. Well, yeah, they knew that. They call it, in the technical term, is war waters, right? War zone. <laughs> I am saying that correctly, right? War, war waters. Zone. War zone. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem right, but I do. Hear, I hear your point. Well, l- let me put it to it you this way. Seem that way. How is it? Um, I mean, he's serving his country. I yeah. Like you think you There's thank no, people for serving their country, right? No. He didn't like. It's not like he murdered somebody in the, on the street. He was he was, <laughs> no, he was shooting a ship. They said any vessel carrying the British flag, which this was, or no flag. The British were also saying that they could fly any country's flag or no flag, and that's a legitimate what they call ruse of war, like a a a a, a, a um I don't know fake out tactic whatever. Right. So basically, they're making it where like okay, well we're gonna shoot at anything that's in these this in the waters around the British Isles. And so, hey, there's you're no putting rules. munitions on a on a ship, it's a, a passenger liner, and having it go through a war zone, uh, not a smart idea. And again, the Germans, what else are they going to do? They have to respond. They're trying to blockade them in response to the blockade of their own country. The whole idea is to break. You got to defeat that country to break the blockade. This is World War One. This is World War One. These okay. are not okay. World okay. War Two right. Germans. All right. All right. Okay. I, no, I see your point. Good point. I get how. Yeah, I know you're all about the woke shit. So you hear German and immediately think Nazi. We're not. We're not talking about Nazis. This is before that. These are just people who are fighting on their side. I'm just saying. The guy should. They, be, well, it, what else is the guy supposed to do? That's his job is to sink ships. Yeah. Well, he in those have, waters. The British dude shouldn't have driven through it. That was stupid as fuck, especially right. with civilians. And on you're it. putting no. And you're putting fucking ammunition on it. Yeah. What caused that second explosion? It may very well yeah. have been those ammunition. That's what really brought the ship down quickly. Well, it pretty much had to be, right? I mean, what else could the, have the been? The torpedo would have taken it down, but slowly. Slower. Yeah, great point. You know what? Thank you for, thank you for your service. That's right. On both thank sides. You. I rest my case. Then play the law and order thing. <laughs> but yeah, also British Admiralty knew that submarine was in the area they knew that u-20 was in the area but failed to give at ad- they failed to give adequate notice to the lusitania yeah. what was going on all right all right you made your you got it you got it hey, i'm not trying to like no i'm no, just trying point, to get the fact i'm trying to get the information out there i'm not trying to like drive the point home. it's like point counterpoint but there's no counterpoint your counterpoint was mostly like you don't say the germans don't like the nazis what's your favorite superpower Cool. But also, 
it's seriously worth thinking about. If you say thank you for your service, I mean, whoever served, yeah. you have to appreciate that, right? Sure. Why is it a good for, I mean, again, assuming you're not committing war crimes, but just serving your country the way you're trained to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we do the same thing here in, in America. Right. So. You say thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. He fought, hey, he did his job. He did his job. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. That was actually that was actually very interesting, though. Seriously, um, I have a new appreciation for submarines. I think, and you know what did it for me is when you said the first time you said they come up, they look, then they dive, and I said, "Oh shit!" Yeah. They're like fucking crocodiles, dude. That's kind of cool, man. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and it's amazing that they don't just cave in on themselves. I know underneath the ocean and. It yeah. can go just amazing the length that, of the fucking dude, ocean. We can fucking we have a machine that can just fucking go underwater and then come back up or go deeper, go around, come back up again. Yeah. It can fucking we can go underwater and shit and like move around and shit. It's awesome. Can do they have windows? Can you see what there are some now military subs don't, but like they're like civilian. Oh. I feel like people have seen Touristy some wild shit have, oh, yeah. in the deep ocean. It's crazy. Yeah, there's like the subs that are like, they're not, they're not, I don't think they're called subs, they're called submersibles. But like there's that big, clear acrylic right. ball. Yeah, I've seen that. Like okay. what James Cameron went down in to see yeah. the Titanic. Okay. Those things can go really fucking deep. Um, and yeah, you would see fucking incredible. It'd be like going to another planet. Yeah. It's cool, man. It is cool. Yeah. That was a good story, Matt. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank I'm you fine. I'm glad we got to do a story with submarines. I'm I'm super. I'm so happy for you. So happy for you. All right. Well, that is our time for today. I hope you enjoyed. How deep is your sub? The sinking of the Lusitania. Uh, remember to follow us, like, share, all that good stuff. You can find us on social media at Macapod One. That's M A C A B R E P O D, the number one. And the same thing at gmail.com, Macapod One at gmail.com. Um, but thank you so much for listening again. Uh, we had fun doing a main vein again. Main vein. I'm main vein. Start, main vein. I'm going to start calling it that. Anything else for you, Matthew? Hey, and Mom, if there are stories you want to hear about, yeah. just let us know. Please we'll let us know. We'll definitely do them if they're, you know, if they're on brand. If it's not too much work. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. If it's too much work, we're not doing it. Uh, anything else you want to add besides your own stories? I believe I've said it all. Yeah, tonight. I, well, I believe I've made my point very clear yeah. about okay. the importance of thanking people the, for the service. Both the actual, no, well, oh, yes. Okay. Yes, um, but also the importance and the actual uh, symbolic, the symbolic as well as the actual value of submarines. Mm-hmm. You did do that. You did do that, and you made me a fan tonight. So thank you. That I feel very good about that, <laughs> and that that makes this whole thing a success, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, for the council, I'm Josh. Thank you so much, Mob. Remember to stay safe out there and be careful not to find yourself in your own macabre reality. Bye. That's all the time we have. Until next time, I'm Dizazen. We're meeting some guys. We're meeting some guys later. Come on.